What up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another edition of Talking Pop with the Franchise of Biko. It's basically the podcast of all things pop culture. I am your host, the Franchise, and joining me is my brother from the same mother, Biko. Hey guys, how's it going? So this is episode 34 of the podcast, and pretty much, um, last episode we talked about, you know, Hollywood and all this stuff with, like, films and stuff, and, you know, the, the Hollywood landscape, and we did talk about seeing Joker, and guess what? I finally got to see Joker. Before we get into, like, the review of Joker film, we do want to pull up something that just came to my attention. I was telling Biko about it right now a few minutes ago before we started recording, about, you know, how the whole thing back with, um, when Scorsese said... He was quoted by an interview by Empire Magazine saying that the Marvel films are, are not quote-unquote cinema and that he compares them to, like, theme parks. And apparently another famed Hollywood director, legend, decided to chime his, like, opinion on it in support of Scorsese. That, of course, is Francis Ford Coppola, if you remember him directing the, the Godfather films. Um, and, of course, uh, he's also famous for wine. <laughs> and apparently this is what, this is a quote from, uh, this is an article from Fast Company from their website. And this is what uh, Coppola said. This is from his quote. When Mark Swayze said that the Marvel pictures are not cinema, he's right because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment from cinema. Some knowledge, some inspiration. I don't know what any, that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. Mm. Um, I mean... I understand the whole alignment thing about that. I don't know what you get in that quote, Biko. What you get from that from that saying? Wait, that the, he said that's that? what Coppola said. That it's like going to an amusement park and right. No, that's what Scorsese's quote. But but this is what let me repeat the same quote. This is the quote Wait. that Coppola said in the article. When Mark Scorsese said that the Marvel pictures are not cinema, he's right because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment, oh, yeah. some knowledge, some inspiration. I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. Okay, um, he okay here. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna get a little. I'm gonna be both sides on it. Okay, this is good because okay. Now that we're comparing sources, I pulled up a different article about the same thing, and they're repeating. They're quoting the same thing. So like the same if, quote. I'm just gonna put two and two together. If you're if you get two different sites that are quoting the same bit they got from Coppola, I'm assuming he was probably at some event and they got him on the red carpet and asked him about it because I'm sure Scorsese and him have been to similar events together. If not, they're probably friends. If not, probably not because they're competitors. Nonetheless, um, if let me read this quote again mm-hmm. before I make a concise thought because I don't want to be a dick about it because I do want to. I do see it both sides when he puts it that way, but he goes. <sighs> When they, they, because I'm assuming they told him that, like, hey, so Scorsese said he's comparing a lot of, um, and since a lot of these comic source materials or fantasy source materials are becoming what Hollywood is their biggest moneymaker because of that of merchandising, I, I think he has, a, it was very simple for him to piggyback off of that one or just like, yeah, who said the films were not cinema and liken them to theme parks, right? Okay, cool. So you, when you're giving me the quote that he says, that a lot of these are not cinema. He's right because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment, some knowledge, some inspiration. I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. Martin kind of said when he said it's not cinema, he said he didn't say it's despicable, which I just say it is. Okay. 
Now, when he says despicable, mm-hmm. is he saying despicable towards Scorsese's quote, even though he's agreeing with him, or what? Okay, that's two things. The first yeah. thing I say is, I compare this to where he says, I don't... Isn't that what we expect to gain something from cinema? Is you're supposed to get something out of the experience. Yeah. I compare that to a music. Mm-hmm. I get it. For me, when I'm listening to music, I'm looking for something. But that's art. It's objective. So you don't have to. I have my friend, my friend uh, S- Sasha, who says, look, man, you listen to music for different reasons. I listen to music just to get away. I don't know if it's good or not, and you could be a nerd with it, but... I just listen to music to turn up to, and to turn up to is like you don't. It's just background noise. You need something to pump up. It's just to pump up your energy for it. So when I when I hear Coppola or when they quote him saying that like you want to get something out of it, that to me is like I can put him in that situation to where like I see movies, mm-hmm. and the movies that stick out to me more are the ones that I get something out of. But I can easily see a movie and get nothing out of it. Like when we saw Venom, I thought it was funny. Yeah, did, I get anything yeah. out, did I love it? No. No, it, it wasn't that great, it, but it, it wasn't good what enough. It, it didn't know what it wanted to be. But yeah, at I the think, same time, it's like, did I get anything out of it? No. But was I looking for something? Yeah, not really, because I didn't expect them to ever make a Venom movie. But here they fucking are, and they got a guy who is actually, oh, well, you know, I'm actually into it. Let me let me put a spin on my, let me be in the movie, put a spin on it my own, given what the experience I have in the industry. And if it works, it doesn't. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like. Sony's throwing me all this money, and I'm using my name as clout because that's what the entertainment business is. It's like, it's broken down in three trifectas. Your your actual markability, your talent, and then the clout based on your previous works. Um, I listened to a fucking podcast with uh, the armchair expert with Dax. He yeah. had Elizabeth Banks, and they were talking about how she was directing the Charlie's Angels movies and what got her to directing all that jazz. But then she, she well, basically she does like, it she... down like all three. That's what it is. He's like... Look, I was in, I was a catalog model. Then I got into acting. And so now that I'm going into directing, the only clout I had was my acting and this, the people that I can... She's like, why don't we just... She married a, a fucking writer slash director guy, producer. So To help her get that experience. Yeah. Remember, she did the whole... Um, she she, she was directed direct- for different shows too. But and she did shows, but I think she also directed... Oh, what was that? The, there was another movie that she directed. That movie series. Oh, God. That's not the time I told It was with uh, Anna Kendrick and... Pitch Perfect. She was perfect. She did the whole series. Yeah, yeah. she did the whole series because her her husband, her now husband, who was on Pitch Perfect, who worked produced it, he went out and researched these like acapella groups. That's what it's based off. It's like nonfiction. It's based mm-hmm. off an acapella group. But like, she's like, well, let me make this cool. And all she did was like, well, I'm Elizabeth Banks. Like, if this will work, I'm another. I've been in other things that worked. She was in Marvel too. So it's like, I can okay. Let me let me circle this back. So like. The way I see it is like if he was if the quote was taken out of context and he was saying that's despicable, it doesn't seem right. It, it, to me, like it, it was he saying it's despicable what Scorsese can say, but he's also agreeing with him that yeah, it does seem like you're getting the same thing over and over again. And I did see that, but we're getting that in one facet of certain things since we're only catching it in the lens of Marvel's overgrasping lead in producing these blockbuster films. And they seem to resonate with the broad audience in general. And then you have the fan comic, the comic fan people who do yeah, like it no matter what. Because it's like, oh, well, fuck. We're getting these high fleshed out characters. There's actually somewhat of a meritable story behind it. And fuck, we're getting like the biggest 
like the the craziest thing to ever conceptualize as a child and it's putting it's thrown onto your screen and mm -hmm. i'm not saying a lot of other companies are doing it better <laughs> dc they're not but uh as far as tv goes it looks like they're doing all right but does it feel like it starts to get stale to where yes there's parts of marvel films that like I wish they would flesh out the f enemies more and give them a better motivation. But we know this. Nobody watched the Marvel movies to cheer on the bad guy. They're always they know like the only one, the only time I saw that people were actually reflecting was like oh fucking Thanos because Thanos came and they actually gave him a the move the first one was really just Thanos it was about him yeah, and then the just... second one's like how oh, the fuck are we gonna deal with this so like that felt like you were reading a book. Like a comic book. Yeah. Just how it will flush well, down Well, it was good screen. because what comes with Infinity War was you get the, like, yeah, it was more focused on Thanos. But I get the, what I liked about it was um, you see more of him, but at the same time you say, okay, you know, he's being portrayed as this bad guy, but he had a purpose of why he wanted to do what he did. But that's not, right. But, but of course, saying like these films are not enlightening, but it's like I said, you're taking it from a fictional standpoint. But this funny because I pulled something up what James Gunn said. Um, yeah, he, he points out on Instagram. He's like, "This is what he, this is what James Gunn said. Many of our grandfathers thought all gangster movies are the same, often calling them the circle gun wrote. Some of our great grandfathers thought the same. of westerns believed that films of John Ford, Sam Peckinpah, and Sergio Leone were all exactly the same. Because I mean, back then, you know, I mean, movies back then, because with the technology they had back then, you know, they had appealed to an audience. But I mean, they kind of felt enlightened because I mean." If you remember, like, this is the Star Wars films, you know, George Lucas, when he got inspired to write Star Wars, he was inspired by a lot of Japanese cinema about the Seven Ronin and the Samurai. He got inspired by those old movies, those old um, samurai um, films, like, from Japan that built the whole Star Wars universe. And, like, you know, Indiana Jones was inspired by, like, all these adventure serials and all that stuff. And, you know, it happens like that. And of course, like, in... If you look at, like, Batman, you know, and some reason why Batman got... You know, the reason why he wore a cape and mask was, I bet you, uh, you know, Bob Kane and Bill Finger got their inspiration from Zorro, from the old Zorro legends and all that <laughs> stuff. So it's like, there's some point, like, I say that, I mean, it's not saying these Marvel films are not cinema, like the comic movies, but it's like, it's, it's just like the way the industry is moving. That's what it is. It's just the way the industry is. It's like, it, it sells what sells. You know, it's just a genre where it wasn't ever talked about back in the day. Movies are, uh, movies are such a risky investment now. They used to be the only ways you can get entertainment, but now that everything can be concentrated and directly streamlined, everyone's fighting for that attention. Because now, like, a lot of these films are getting moved to, like, streaming services. Like, Which I think is... It's like... It's like they've reformulated the, the straight-to-DVD thing, except we actually want it. Mm -hmm. Straight-to-DVD meant, like, it was trash. Like, it's like, ah, yeah, oh, look, we got a Cinderella too, but now she's fucking got a sister or something. It's like nobody ever watched those. If it was out of the movies and it wasn't legit, oh yeah, the right? uh, sequel films. Yeah, and so now that we see that, um, I mean, what Netflix did a great job on those Marvel shows is that they not only that they try to be like, you know what, look, let's not pigeonhole ourselves. Let's still build the universe in the cinema, but we can't have people waiting year after year. People want their shit now, right? Especially with consistency now. So like, instant gratification is the new drug. No, the pretty consistent drug as of late, um, besides like everything else. But like they, they now they have to build up some sort of digestible property that 
they were, I mean, they even axed their own shows because they figured, oh, well, look, we got this, well, whatever their boardroom meetings are, like, everybody kind of saw that, the inevitable happening once Disney like was Disney opening their they're gates that they're going to yeah. flood up the market like a motherfucker. So now, you're going to have, all that shit's going to come back. That's why they always give you these sound bites of like, oh, yeah, well, you know, well, Daredevil's going to be used in the MCU, Deadpool cannot be used. Like, we all know it was going to happen. It's just like, they got to... If, they gotta keep feeding you just like you being a recording artist and doing shit like it's the music industry is still the entertainment industry whether you like it or not mm-hmm. and they very much work the same way you scratch our back I'll scratch your back if we're both making money at the end of the day if uh, you're not making money you're not gonna last and that's it's capitalism folks it's like the same thing you know with a comes to like you know it's, I could say the same thing about the anime industry as well too because it's like look at this um, shows like Based on long works, like, One Piece is still going 20 years strong. The manga is yeah. still going. The show, like, the anime, it's, it just celebrated its 20th anniversary last weekend. Um, but same thing, like, when Fairy Tale ended, it was like, a big thing because the problem was, you know, when the manga artist, like, decided he took a long hiatus to take a break and came back and finished up the whole thing. And then you had the and people going around the studio say, "Hey, when they're gonna announce the last season of Fairy Tale? They're gonna adapt the final volumes of the manga." And they finally did. Of course, Fairy Tale was just sent in. I know Funimation just put the last dub of the final episode, which I gotta get into Fairy Tale back. I started watching Fairy Tale again to get to that last season. Um, it's something enjoyable, and I was reading, of course, like quotes from the art from the dub, the voiceover artists who do the dubs, and like they really enjoyed work down that show and. Even though they got other projects they're going to dub, but I mean, something they did something they enjoyed with a lot, of, a lot of the cast members they did over the years. And like I said, they went at me. like, every time I read anime news, there's something new getting adapted, like a new work that I never heard of. It's getting an anime adaptation. So it's something I'm looking forward to. So it's like an industry itself. I mean, there's like, I've been listening to this anime podcast called Taku Spirit, and um, they were doing the reviews of like certain animes that came out over the summer. There was one they mentioned where. It's kind of interesting. I don't, I don't know if you're not much of an anime guy, Biko, but I do want to put it out there. It's called Otosuki like, Savage Maiden. No, it's called All Savage Maidens and you're something like that. It was a long title. It's on High Dive by Watch on Verve. It's like these girls are part of this literature club and it's like, and one of the girls is like, you know, either she's, she says um, they start doing this taboo of sex. You know, it's like, you hear guys talk about sex, you know, but this is funny because this, this is based on a manga that's like shonen, so it's toward the male demographic, and pretty much hearing like sexual attentions and sexual, like top, the topic of sex from a female perspective, it is kind of interesting. I just watched like the first two episodes, and it's kind of hilarious, but it's like cool to hear something from the other side. Because mm. you always hear a male's perspective on the term sex, but to hear it from a female perspective and coming from these high school girls or probably in their third year of high school or second year, it's, it's really interesting. That's something I didn't want to bring out there when it comes to art because there's different types of like what's same thing with anime. There's like different genres, different genres that span beyond. And people go excited for anime films now. Back then, you know, when they do special events and all that stuff, it's like now people go excited. I went to like a few anime screenings for movies. And I think the last one I went to was for My Hero Academia 2 Heroes. Dude, the theater was packed, man. I was able to get a ticket that first week it came out. And we're doing screens and you see all the people, you know, to show how much people shared a passion for anime. That was like really enjoyable to me. It was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm not like the only one. But it's the same thing. That's probably how when it comes to these Marvel superhero films, it kind of brings people out from the, you know, from out of their shell and say, hey, we get to go to the theaters and enjoy these films like everybody else. 
Yeah, I mean, like you, but saying that they're not cinema, they're not. That, they, they, it's <laughs> like to me, it's like it's so funny, and it's only like, and it's strange to see like these two guys say some for shit legends like this. of the industry this, who pro- haven't like, and it, you know what I also find funny considering that like, especially for Coppola because like or Scorsese's film is coming out relatively Irishman? soon, yeah, on Netflix out of all places, so it's like, it's funny to see that they. His name is popping up because of his sound by like talking negatively about something that's of a popular opinion, right? Mm-hmm. So it's pretty. I'm not saying you know you could he could say it however he wants. It's just the first time maybe that he's actually brought it up. But like for them to for him to just say those things, maybe I think it's a month out that the movie's actually coming out because this is coming out fairly soon. Mm. But for them to like not. Take that into consideration. It's very funny. And then we go to Coppola, which I don't... What was the last movie he fucking released? I'm going to look this up. The last movie for Francis Ford Coppola released. His daughter has released more within these like last 30 years than he has released anything of. Mm-hmm. She's even starred in some, right? Francis Ford Coppola. God, he has such a fucking long name. Uh... <laughs> Technically, he's still present. I like how on Wikipedia they not, they they list your political party. It's ridiculous. No, oh, okay. it's fucking who cares. <laughs> it's all ridiculous. Um, so the last movie he's posted. Are you joking? <laughs> Nineteen ninety-seven. No, no, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Filmography. There you go. Yeah, look for his filmography, dude. Why does it? Okay, well, apparently he's got something since two thousand and eleven. Oh, okay. So last movie he's done. Oh, I'm sorry, no. So they amount, they announced that a Megalopolis movie is going to be made again. Oh, wow. Youth without re- youth. So he's going to remake distant, that movie? 2000, an ongoing experimental live show, Distant Vision. Huh. It's, what his, it's what he does as far as an, a live show. The last thing he's directed since then was some movie called Twix. It's a horror film directed and produced by Francis Ford Coppola and starring Val Kilmer. Oh, wow. Bruce Dern, Al Fanning. Man, it sounds pretty interesting. That's the last thing he's made. And then he's produced in a lot of other movies, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking... And taking out his live show, because I, that's not necessarily theater. It's just... Or I'm not saying theater. It's not a... It just says ongoing experimental film project. Mm-hmm. Uh, different versions of this production have been broadcast to limited audience. So it's a very exclusive show. Like, you, you kind of got to be in... Well, I guess a big fan of his to follow it. But... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the likes of what Hugh Jackman's doing at the show, oh, with yeah. this tour, which it looks pretty fun. Um, nonetheless, we're talking 2011 is the last time this guy's made a film, let alone a horror film. Everything else is just his own, like you projects know, that he's working his on. own film masturbation at that point. And then Scorsese's coming out with this movie, The Irishman, that just came out that was announced like almost a year and a half ago. That I remember hearing about it. And then listening to Bill Burr's thing, because he's going to be in it, um, he, he didn't give too much away, but he was talking about how it's going to come out mm-hmm. relatively soon. But then this guy hasn't made anything... Wow, they even list his favorite films? That's fucking weird. Mm. All right. The Wolf of Wall Street, he did that one, right? What the hell is Silence? I don't remember this movie. Silence? It's a historical period drama film. Hmm. 
Uh, it's based on the 1966 novel of the same name by Shusaku Endo, set in Nagasaki, Japan. The film was shot entirely in Taiwan. So, sounds like a documentary. And then Hugo last. So, this is three years ago. And look at this. And the funny thing is, uh, John Favreau, like, he actually caught the first of them. Like, there's an article from the Highway Reporter. Um, this is what he says. Um, those two, those two guys are my heroes, and they earned the right to express their opinions. This is what he told us CNBC. Oh, we sent him something too, by the way. Nice. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if they didn't carve the way. They serve as a source of inspiration. You can go all the way back to swingers. They can express whatever opinion they like. Oh, swingers! Yeah, dude. If you haven't seen Swingers, I suggest seeing it. It's such a good movie with him and Vince Vaughn. Because not only does it feel like you're, you're, it doesn't even feel like you're watching a movie. It just feels like you're in a living room with Vince Vaughn and John Favreau in their young twenties, trying to just get girls and scrape by, just like anybody else is doing these days. And that shit was wild. And it's like such a great movie, very indie, and like Vince Vaughn, I think that's one of his best roles. And John Favreau is just, you. I feel, I feel like people forget that like his his acting chops are still there. I mean, he's just been behind the lens on and off, and then you'll catch him as happy when, when he does the Marvel films. But, man, John Favreau, uh, he's hilarious to me because he just a, looks like a normal guy acting. Mm-hmm. But, like, whatever it is, like, you see, even with people who are in there, I think there was a quote here I think I got out of, uh, oh, let's say got out of the article, I think I did. But they're even, they had Joss Whedon go off and say, like, oh, well, you know, these guys are pretty respectful people. Mm-hmm. I can see why they'd be upset. Like, all right, well, dude, don't give them clout for that. Like, that's not fair. But I get it. It's like a lot of these guys are taking the somewhat high road of of how you would respond to something like this, where there's another guy in your, I guess you can say your your industry, kind of slamming your stuff when it's it's subjective, right? It's. Mm-hmm. Not, not with that, not again, it's like, I don't, some of these films are just ridiculous, because then it's like, a lot of films that are actually really good get slandered, because it's just not, doesn't sell the most money. And just because it sells a lot, a lot of money doesn't mean it's a good film. We saw how Avatar came out, and like, it's yeah, it was now, fine, but it was like, have you ever seen Dances with Wolves? It's basically the same movie, just with blue people. And when you take it, when you finally let the hype go, because... Avatar, when it first came out, obviously it was such a big deal because of the fucking CGI and shit. It's like, damn, he really spent his money on this. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and it's like, oh, well, I guess it's not that great. I mean, it is what it is. Such a long movie, but I haven't gone back and seen it because I got what I could tell from what I needed. It just didn't feel like any different. It just felt like, oh, it's just, oh, yeah, blue people are going against colonizers. Look how different this is. It's literally our American history just brought into one. But here we are, except it's a blue alien people instead of Native Americans. And whoever, and Africans who are already here in this country. But nonetheless, I don't, I don't, if they see this as amusement parks, sure. Then it's, like, how many people do you know go to amusement parks all the time? The same ones every year, like, like, we have Six Flags here. So everyone gets that damn season pass, and then Six Flags goes open until horror, or what is it? The Horror Fest. Uh, horror Fest, they whatever is done. They like, that shit still goes on. Like, that doesn't... It doesn't like those are, and then they maybe add a new ride every other freaking three years or something. I'm not a big amusement park fan, so I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But I can see why. Like, it's like what amusement parks have you gone to to where you're gonna still take your kids shamelessly? Because there you go. Like, what's the difference? Like, I don't. I, your kid's gonna still want to go see this movie. 
right? Yeah. And like, why, why, why? Uh, I don't know. I just, I, it's very strange for these people to start coming out fairly relevantly just to go and bash or be like, yeah, it's not cinema, but what is it then? I don't know what to call it. It's like, I don't, your neighbor making home videos spewing about certain things, although it's not cinema, it's still technically a video. What's YouTube but America's Funniest Home Videos? Like, yeah, at the time, it was like that in the beginning, and then that show got shut down, and now they're trying to bring it back. So it's, for them to think that, it's funny that we're only taking two people's opinions on, on what we think cinema is, because at the end of the day, if the people like it, they're going to buy it, and they will come. Build it, and they will come, right? Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. And it's for, like, everything involved. Who knew this was gonna blow up? Nobody knows. It's just it happens. Like it was a gamble. I just don't know. Yeah, it was a gamble, and look what it is now. Now it's this crazy thing where, where every year, like they're literally having a keynotes on shit like this. Like it's ridiculous, but fuck it. Like I never in a million years would I thought this would be good. I was uh, just hoping they're gonna make another st- terrible Blade film. Like that's that's what I thought we were looking forward to and so to see these guys who haven't made things in like years but they still can make the royalties off of their albeit classic cinema movies that you should watch who's to say that nobody's gonna go back and watch Infinity War or who's gonna go back to see uh, Winter Soldier or even Guardians on a, on a random Saturday afternoon that they don't have anything else to do and just for a quick laugh again like those are there's plenty, I think I can name more Marvel movies that stood out to me that are felt more like a cinema movie than some of the ones that are in their own catalog. Because there are some that are just, I just saw like a bag flew up, flew out of nowhere. I just thought like, I, there are some sleepers, or not sleepers, not being used in the context like of where it's like, under, like you're trying to say? No, what I'm saying is there's, there's a couple in the Marvel films that have been like, oh man, this could have done been a lot better. A lot better. If the marketing was like... Not a, no, just from a film aspect, there's some that just really dropped the ball. Like, mm. that could have done a lot better. Like, I liked Black Panther a lot, but there's some things I don't like about it that outweigh it more to where I can't... I won't necessarily not see it again, but I like seeing those characters outside of that own original movie because it could have been a lot better. But I'm mm. waiting for part two. Right, I think part two's going to be fun. Hopefully, part two, I know a lot of people are like... The one thing or I'm if it gets made, if it gets it made. It gets made, no. I know they are planning on making it. He did announce they're making it, but hopefully... But that quote that that one character, Koye, said about there's, like, trembling in Atlantic. Yeah, that's pretty Hopefully, cool. Namor takes on Black Panther because I would love to see... They just have to make it better. I love to see the two princes go at it, like, the two, like, kings to go at it. Yeah, it'd be good. Because they, they got the rights to Namor, so they can use the Submariner. But that'd be great. Like, he could be, like, a rival to, you know, to T'Challa. That'd be a good, like, you know, thing to bring out. That'd be a good villain to fight. Or not a villain, but, like, a rival or something like that. Same with Doctor Strange, you know, in the, in the multiverse. It's, that's going to be an interesting one, too. Because it's kind of funny, because Scarlet Witch is going to be in it. And it's going to take place after the WandaVision show. So, it's like, then you got all the Marvel TV shows coming out on Disney+. Plus. So, that's, like, that's the only thing where we are going to get our Marvel film pick. And the funny thing is, those shows are going to get the same budget as the Marvel films. That's what they said. They're going to have MCU-sized budgets for those for those TV shows. <laughs> yeah. So they can do a lot with it because they're being on the streaming service. So I'm on this like subreddit where people were uh, on the, off the article of Coppola. And oh, they like, were on I'm the article I'm looking at a now? comment, and there's a comment here that goes like... Because <laughs> some guy brought up Shakespeare and how like Shakespeare's stuff was total to be something of like not not the masses but end up being very influential so the guy put like spoiler alert marvel movies won't age well 
and will be even more highly criticized in the future. Seriously, how many times did you go back and rewatch a Marvel movie? I literally, I literally never want to, and even movies like Ant-Man 2 or Captain Marvel that I missed, I have like zero intention of watching after Endgame. And I've seen most of these movies in theaters and I can't remember one I disliked. So I was like, there you go. Like, mm-hmm. this, guy, this guy gave it to you straight. He's like, I'm the type of guy who's going to watch a movie once and probably not go back and see it ever again. I'm the similar way. I just really have to like your movie. But movies are different from TV shows. Oh, yeah. Because true. TV shows, they keep it fresh all the time and you'll have your five like, favorite episodes. And a film is, what, an hour, two hours and a half. But it's the same. Not, and I know it's weird logic because TV series are the same thing. But then they're not. Yeah. Because they last longer. There's things that you might... Didn't catch it, like, the first time, but understand yeah. it now. Yeah, especially with character development and why they chose to be that certain way or why you saw it coming. But when movies just kind of like, Meh, like, you get it and you get it. And it's like, uh, Mar- and this guy said Marvel movies are kind of like their modern-day spaghetti westerns, serving good old-fashioned escapism from the over from the all the overwhelming real-life shit that's going on in this world. Yeah. But then, oh god, then you got the people right here. They're not entirely accurate. Spaghetti westerns allow directors to employ their unique visions to the screen. Marvel movies are just literally employing TV production standards for film, where the showrunner, Kevin Feige, or Feige, whatever, establishes a formula and the directors can't be unique enough to disrupt cohesion. Well, yeah, sure. Well, that's because you're trying to build out a whole character arc. Don't you think that Peter Jackson wanted to do crazy shit for Lord of the Rings? Because those things are so extremely long. And look at him, he never even wanted to make the third Hobbit movie, but they did it, and he fucking hated it. He's like, yeah, I guess we'll stretch out a movie that... Because originally it was be... supposed to be just two films, and that was it. It would have been fine! It would have been fine with two films, but they had to make a third one because they had to stretch the fucking money out, and they still made their money and more, but it's like, oh my god. Well, I am looking forward to the series, though. That, to me, is and not I'm looking cinema. forward to the series, so... We'll yeah, see, no, we'll see how the no. whole series is going to be. Anything with Lord of the Rings will be fine. I just, like, I... That's where I see it being a problem, is where... We're going to see... It's like if, if they're going to have to sacrifice the film's stuff, which it's already been pretty much... Like, they're not... They're, their storytelling is not, hasn't really evolved much because mm-hmm. they had to build a thing. But now that we ended that chapter, maybe they're going to go and be a little more creative this time around now that you know people are going to be willing to pay money to go see them regardless. Yeah. That's how I felt about after Guardians and watching. I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Fuck. At this point, they sold us. Like, they saw us on a talking raccoon that holds up rocket launchers and a fucking talking tree that says three things. And that's it. I agree. But at the end of the day, it's like, fuck, they could have not sold us on anything, and there you go. It's like right now, because if you guys were watching football, maybe may you don't. Of course, they announced that they showed the final trailer for Rise of the Skywalker last night. Oh, fuck. I and didn't it, see it. I, I got announced. but They got announced, but I haven't seen the trailer either. So it's like, but they did announce the tickets were like pre, you know... You can pre-purchase tickets before the screenings, like, when it comes out next month. Like, what, December, I think it is? Mm. And, like, I haven't even seen the final trailer yet. So, it's like... And, of course, all the theories, because when we saw the first trailer for it, when we heard the laughing, we know that Palpatine was making an appearance. That Dark Sidious is going to make an appearance. Mm. When you think about it, they don't really, like... They were like, oh, the Jedi die, but they don't really die. So if they're beyond the Force, they can, you know, live on. In case in point, Obi-Wan and the, the original trilogy. After he got struck down by Darth Vader, he was still, you know, out there in the Force. Same thing with Yoda. When we saw Yoda making an appearance, it's like, oh, wow, Yoda, <laughs> too. It's like, doesn't mean they truly die. Same thing with Luke and stuff. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm looking forward to the Rise of Skywalker. Am I going to see the final trailer? I don't know yet. 
I'm like the Bama because I'm like my bird Beko. Like I know you don't, you don't enjoy trailers. Is like you don't well, want to see trailers because you don't want to. I don't like. You want to go in as like a surprise, and I'm like mad. I'm getting. I'm starting to be that way too. That I'm not seeing the trailers, so it's like the only times I see trailers where I go see like, like same thing with Joker. Like we do want to get into that discussion of Joker might as well, but go pay case in points. Like I've been starting that way too because I enjoy watching trailers, but it's like it's like so many trailers. I got tired of it. It's like you're. It's like good to just have one trailer. teaser and one final trailer. That's all you need. You only need two trailers. You don't need three trailers. The fourth trailer. The fifth trailer. Like you're taking too much away. You're spoiling too much. You also got TV spots. Like come on. You're advertising on television as well. It's like that's three trailers right there. You got your teaser. You got the online one, and then you got the TV one. That's three. What else do you need? Then you got the radio. Tamien. It's like come on. You got the radio also. You advertise on radio as well. It's like. It's like, yeah, I'm getting to that point. It's like, it's better just to see the trailers and feeders than, you know, than, you know, seeing it online because then everyone's going to start talking about the trailers. Like, I mean, I did enjoy the trailer for The Mandalorian. I did enjoy that. I'm looking forward to The Mandalorian when it comes out on Disney+. Plus. But, yeah, for Rise of Skywalker, I have not seen the final trailer because I can't wait to go see it in December. I just want to go in, you know, with a clear mind and see how it comes out, how it ends the saga. I don't know. Yeah, it's... it's The Skywalker saga. At case in point, not the you know. I think they're still gonna develop like another trilogy, but I think Ryan Johnson is still gonna be. Which I did, did see the trailer when I saw Joke yesterday. They showed the trailer for Knives Out. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Clue, right? Because it's like almost like a Who Done It. Right? Ryan Johnson wrote the film. He directed and wrote the film, so it's like a Who Done It film. But it kind of reminds you of Clue. Wait, and of course, our roommate Mondo kept talking about the movie Clue, and the funny thing, it's on Amazon. Where they took a board game and made a film based on it, but apparently that film they filmed like five different endings. And what it is, when you went to the theaters back in the day, depending what day you went, they put a different ending. Oh man, they put a different ending. So it could have been this character, and the next week you go to the theater, it could be this character just to show a different, you know, point. Because that was that board game was Clue was was basically you try to find who's done it. You know who's the suspect, and you try to throw everybody out. You're basically trying to figure out who did it before the detective. You know to help the help. You're basically the detective. And this is what the, I saw. The, I saw the trailer yesterday. You got Jim Lee Curtis. You got flipping um, Chris Evans is in it. Christopher Plummer's in it. Like Daniel Craig is the detective. So it looks interesting how that film is. It's called Knives Out because it follows like Christopher Plummer plays like this uh, famous murder oh, yeah. mystery author. It looks so random. It's a who, it's a who done the thing. So yeah, it's like, that, what I do like about the trailer is I bet you that's like the trailer. only trailer he's released because knowing Good. Brian Johnson, he didn't want to give it out because he wants people. To oh yeah, I remember that was directed by him. Fuck. But I think he wants to, he only. I only saw one trailer for it. I haven't seen a teaser. Good. Seen. He has to redeem himself a bit. <laughs> but I think he did that for the kids because they want he wants the audience to go see the film to figure out you know for themselves that they try to watch the film, pay attention to the film, and try to get the clues to find out who actually did it. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. That film looks interesting. I think it comes out like next month for Thanksgiving, like around Thanksgiving time. So that'll be another film I'm kind of interesting. Case in point. Um, all right, let's um, jump right into the Joker. All right. The Joker Joker film. Okay. Um, so, of course, this film is not without controversy because there's a lot of articles surrounding. Like, apparently, Jared Leto was begging um, when it was the first announced that, oh, they're going to do a, a Joker origin film. People were like, oh, the, Jared Leto's going to play the Joker then? They're going to show his origin because he made an appearance in Suicide Squad? Nope. Todd Phillips, of course, you remember his work from the, the Hangover movies and Road Trip and all those other films he's done in the past. And he ended up helming it and he's, he helmed in directing it. 
And of course, um, they brought in Joaquin Phoenix. You know how Joaquin Phoenix is. He's a great method actor because he goes deep for his roles. Mm. And people were saying, oh, he's, this is an interpretation of Joker. But I think about it too, it's like, to me, when I heard about when it was announced and stuff, I'm like, oh, interesting. They're finally going to do an, a, a villain origin story. Because you've always seen origin stories of, like, you know, heroes. But to see it from a villain's perspective, a future villain's perspective, it'll be kind of interesting. And having Walking Fix, I'm like, oh, wow, they're going to have him play uh, the Joker? And then the question was, what kind of origin are they going to pick from? Because there's been so many different versions of the Joker, like, origin-wise. Yeah. There's one they had a poor marriage. There's one when he was a poor stand. He had a poor stand-up comedian. There was a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. And going into this, it's like, you went to go see, like, a, a drive-in with your lady friend? Yeah, we saw the drive-in. It was a double feature with that and fucking it, too. And I didn't see all of it, too. But it looks... It was for the first hour that I fucking sat through it. I, it oh, man. I, that's not a review on it. <laughs> no. Nah. Um, we got to see the Joker. Uh, I missed maybe like two, like a minute and a half or two minutes into it getting it while we're parking and fixing the car. But um, I saw like, because the beginning goes, uh, and this, mind you, this has been like two weeks or so that I have seen it. So I might be a little foggy on certain details, but from what I can remember, um, the way it started out, I was trying to figure out the taxi driver, like you kind of. The references are getting thrown out there, especially with De Niro being there, and they give you like a little kind of ode to it. But if you haven't seen Taxi Driver, recommend it. It's a great film, um, and very similar as to it. Now, I got to see it in a drive-in, and the sound was okay. Uh, we ended up just sitting outside of the car at the end of the day because some of the speaker boxes didn't work. This is in the middle of boonies of where we live, so like. It, when I when I when I go out, the, the fact that they had a working driving because we actually we used to live very near, very close to so our dad took us to see fucking Anchorman and driving, which was fucking the best. Anchorman, like when it first came out, was fucking hilarious. But nonetheless, so this is the second time I ever I ever got to go to a drive-in, and I was like, well, fuck it, I didn't even think those existed anymore. So we went, did a double feature thing. It still costs as much as you would think at a theater, so you're not really. You're not really getting any difference, guys. It's mm-hmm. it's comfortable over uh, nostalgic tradition, we'll go with. Yeah. But seeing the movie was pretty cool. Um, I think it was great seeing it that way. I, I might have to watch it again because there's some parts of the dialogue that I didn't catch because of the sound wasn't the greatest and we're listening from various speakers and you had to tune into the radio and we were sitting outside the car because we didn't want to waste the battery, yada, yada, yada. Um, so from like pros and cons, I guess we want to do pros and cons. Um, well, I, mean, pros, I was just trying to like when it, because I saw it yesterday, and that's why because I took our mom over to go see it. She's like she loves the superhero movies, like she enjoys them, and she's the one that actually said, "Oh, but I'm gonna go see Joker." I'm like, "You really want to see Joker?" And it was like interesting because she wanted to go see it. So trying to figure out the era because it was more like I don't know, I can say like '80s, possibly late '70s. The way the cars and the era looks like, because it never mentioned the year it took place. Of course, it's in Gotham. But you look at Gotham, it was like Gotham, like, during its, like, bad times, I'm about to say it. Um, and it follows this individual named Arthur Fleck. Yeah. And remember, it's one of the aliases the Joker went by in the comics. Um, and so when I see him, it's like, all you hear is, like, oh, this guy's laughing a lot. It's like, but if you look, he's like, oh, I got this condition, you know? And he, it's funny because there's one scene when he's riding the bus and... Um, yeah, he's laughing uncontrollably. He's laughing uncontrollably, but this lady's like, this kid, he's trying to make the kid laugh, so it's like, 
and the lady's like chastising him saying hey don't bother my kid then he hands out the card saying i have a condition this is what it says blah blah, blah. please return the card you know but he's all he's trying to work you know he's a guy you can tell he wants people to laugh he's dressed as a clown he's doing like advertisements for businesses and of course he ends up getting you know these freaking teenagers end up like taking the sign and end up beating them up afterwards and you know he's having a bad day and of course he's portrayed you know he's taking care of his mom he's just trying to make ends meet and the whole thing is to get it wrong like Joaquin Phoenix man when he takes off his clothes and stuff, he lost a lot of weight for that film like yeah, I he, guess he I was mean, trying he was... to he was trying to portray him as you know this guy's down as luck. You know, he's malnourished and all that stuff. And it's like, of course, he has this, like, condition. Oh, it's a lot of weight for that shit. messed up his shoulder. And and pretty much... Um, it's pretty wild. And it's like... And, I mean... And he last week, people laugh because he keeps, like, a journal stuff. And you see how he's doing the interviews with the caseworker at the, the health department? Yeah, well, this was in, what, 81? I don't know what year. I've been trying to figure out what year it was. Because they never send that in the movie, like, what year it takes place. Yeah, it does. It says in the beginning. Oh, 1981 or... Yeah, like... It, it, but that's the thing. It says, like, right when he's getting his ass beat, kind of, in the beginning when he's spitting the sign and shit. It's yeah. like... It goes by so fast. So that's... That's, like, a semi-con of mine, is that, like, the pacing kind of goes. Um, which I think it also works to an advantage in how they're telling the story. But, yeah, the pacing goes in the sense that, like, oh, fuck, wait, where are we again? But, like, the beginning happened so fast. And maybe it's just because I was in the car trying to con- get a good view of the screen. But mm-hmm. he, you know, he's down on his luck. It's 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 just this guy is trying to take care of his sick mother. And he also has a crazy condition. Like, he has a mental illness, but he's abused pretty badly as a kid. And so, like, he was trying to do the best he can with what he had. And that meant, like... And he, but he always wanted to comedy. That's his, you know, he always laughed. So like he, he also enjoyed making others laugh and like entertain. Of course, you know, shit. something happens. You know, he, you know, like he's working, and one of his coworkers like, hey, you want to? Like he heard about how he got beat up by those kids, and it's fine because this boss is like, oh, they need to sign back. And like and he's like, what? The sign broke. Like, I don't have the sign. And he's like, oh, you got to return the sign. Oh, I'm going to take the money out of your paycheck. Yeah, it's such bullshit. But to me, it was bullshit. So his boss is picking on him, but his coworkers are like, hey, this is one coworker randomly says, hey, I'm going to give you, I got a gun here. If you want to protect yourself. And like, first Archer's like, no, I don't want to. Why do you try to have a gun, you know? And I don't have the because money Because he's not that, yeah, he wasn't that type of guy. He was just somebody who wanted to fucking. And of course, things happen where he. Deal with up, this every day. When he was going to act at a children's house. He was entertaining the kids. And then, of course, the gun falls out of his pocket. And of course, ends up, you know, him losing his job. And it's like, just seeing the film, seeing people, like, paying attention to the theater, it was like, oh, wow. It's like, I was paying attention because I'm like, you know, I read the comics. Like, I didn't read too much of the Batman comics, but people say, oh, the Joker, he's been bad, you know, when Batman fights him. Like, no, people don't realize, you know, there's got to be a reason why it motivates them to do what they're doing. Just why they became villains is, like, to see what the motivation was and... You know why did that did that, that, that and I kind of like for the fact that this film did was explore the whole mental illness. You know, mental illness usually it's it's caused by traumatic events that happen in childhood. That's why people say like when I, when I took psychology back in when I went to junior college and they mentioned like my my teacher my teacher said like you know lots most of the time it's like most of the time like mental illness is usually done by it can be caused by a severe traumatic event in childhood. It can have a negative effect when you're growing up, and the fact is. Which will get in poised later on in the film, but going back to yeah, of course um, he lost his job, and of course he goes in the 
Subway. And of course, the whole thing too. Well, besides him, the whole film too is all about you know the political climate in Gotham. You know, people are not having, having a hard time finding work and stuff. So the economy's not doing that bad. People are like picking on each other and all that stuff. And then um, of course, Thomas Wayne's name gets mentioned because um, Arthur's mom Penny. Apparently, she used to work for Mr. Wayne. Mm-hmm. Works for Mr. Thomas Wayne. She's like, oh, I sent this letter. It's going to help us. You know, Thomas Wayne's going to help us. Arthur's like, why? Why is he going to help us and stuff? If they send the letter. And, of course, you know, he eventually reads the letter from his mom was about to send to Thomas Wayne when, I guess, um, finds out, like, I guess Penny claims that Thomas Wayne and Penny Fleck had an affair. In which case, supposedly Arthur is his son. So he decides, you know what, I'm going to go to Wayne Manor. And try to see to get a meeting with Thomas Wayne. Of course, he goes there and then you see the little interaction with uh, young Bruce Wayne. And you see Alfred as well. And of course, uh, you saw Arthur, he was trying to make him laugh. Yeah. Make Bruce laugh because he's thinking, oh, he's good. he's my half-brother, you Which know? Which sounds so fucking creepy, by the way. That was kind of creepy, though. <laughs> like, everything, like... Everything about that little interaction was the fucking creepy, especially and it's like even with if you give it the time period, if you were looking at this in a lens of being nineteen, like we'll say nineteen ninety five, or if I was Bruce's age, that's the fucking weirdest thing in the world. And adults creep me, even as an adult, I'm still creeped out by adults. So like that shit's fucking weird that he goes up random, he's doing this weird little bit, and it's just and it's just innocent old Bruce playing in front of his humongous mansion. And he's playing <laughs> and the like, playground or something. Yeah, the most spoiled kid in the world, and like, what the fuck is this random magic guy coming up to me? And then we get a little uh, Alfred, uh, little Alfred cameo in there. But uh, the and that's the thing I think with the pacing it does help because like you don't you're kind of. You're kind of following the narrative of the Joker, but then, like, they're trying to wrap up all these r- things around them to give what I call fan service at that point. Um, I mean, yeah, because there's another thing he wants to do stand-up, and he started doing, like, the open mic nights or something. Which is, yeah, it, yes, yeah, they were, they, he was wanting to be a comedian. That's how it started. Like, he always wanted to be a comedian. So, like, they, they kept De- that pretty good. And then Robert Niro's in there. He plays, um, which he plays, like, a late-night talk yeah. show host. Yeah, it was kind of rough. I I didn't like him as a host because he's just not that type of character. They could have gotten somebody more fun, more to more. I I don't know. I get why they got De Niro too, and he did what he could. That's fine. I just mm-hmm. didn't like how I I don't know. I would have gotten somebody else, but I don't know why they got him. But nonetheless, the movie he they did good. Like for what it's worth, Todd Phillips. I forgot what he else he directed, but he I think. For providing a film that definitely owes a similar type of taxi driver for rebellion and creating an origin story around a character that like may not be fleshed out further on as far as DC's concerned, I don't think we'll ever get another Nolan. Then Batman, you see but. what happens too. Like I kind of like for a fact what this film speaks about. You know why he he was messed up and you know eventually just spoiler guys he finds out his mom was actually institutionalized. And he finds out that he's adopted. That Penny yeah, was not was really so his weird. mom. And then he finds out that his mom and him were abused, but he was taking the she took he took the bulk of the abuse from the boyfriends that his mom had in the past. Which apparently according to the records when he goes to the institution and he finds out, you know, there's a report saying that the boy was found malnourished, tied to a radiate to a heater. Yeah, dude, he was getting abused. Like so he was abusive kid. So that explains why he's acting that he's always now. 
And then he finds out that his mom lied to him about, you know, she, him being Thomas Wayne's son. And, and it's funny because you go, you go to see that little interaction with Thomas Wayne. He has a following Thomas Wayne to the movie theater. Mm. There's like a benefit or something at a theater and they're showing like an old Charlie Chaplin film. It was kind of cool. It took a little nod back to like the old school nostalgia films back in the day. And, um, and of course, you know, something happens where there's another thing about, like about this film too. It kind of how society views others. The whole cloud movement to me it was all like, oh yeah, they, like how this incident that Arthur X up ends up causing and the cloud movement started rising up. So I kind of like the fact that it was like the lower class standing up to the upper class, like what's going on right now, like in the Hong Kong you know protests right now. Well, I like for the fact that film here, um, yeah, it's it's like that's why I enjoy I enjoy the film that. because of that because it kind of has that message where. It takes like one incident to start up a movement, a movement like one little incident that starts up people's get, trying to get people's attention, and when it comes with Arthur, like yeah, he wanted to make people laugh, and it's like, and it's cool how he comes out, he decides to do his whole Joker, his first Joker look, he dyed his hair green and did the face paint, and I like the suit because the suit's kind of like a nod to the the colors of the suit kind of matches kind of like the comic book, so it looks like a little tribute to the comics. And I kind of like the fact he dyed his hair green, so it was like because the Joker's hair color was like green and stuff. Yeah, I kind of like the dance he does when he goes down the stairs. I was like, kind of cool and stuff. And um, and then of course um, they has Ezzy beats in there. She just plays like his neighbor. She didn't have too much of a interact as much with Arthur, but it's like someone to try to help you know try to help him a little bit. But at the same time, she wanted to distance herself from him and stuff. And so it's like. Okay, this girl who I hooked up with once now doesn't have anything to do with me. My mom likes me, and he ends up killing his mom. It's like spoiler: he ends up killing his mom in the hospital after he he's been lied to and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, you know he goes. He finally gets his big break. He goes on the show on the was it late night with Murray or something? I forgot the name. Hey, yeah, with um, let me pull up by Fred Murray or Frank Murray, whatever. <sighs> let me pull up by interview because I have IMDb up. Let's see what it says here. Let me see it too. Just pull up the cast list. Just, he, he was... There you go, cast and crew here, IMDb. Like I said, I just saw the film yesterday, guys, so it's like a little fresh in my mind. I'm trying to remember what he played, what character De Niro played. Like, I thought it was Fred. Uh, Fred or something else. Uh, come on, where is it? Dang it. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, De Niro, De Niro. Murray Franklin. That's what it was called. That's the host he played. Yeah, Mark Mariner is like the producer or something. You see Mark Mariner for a little bit. Oh, yeah. As Gene. <laughs> um, and of course, so, you know, he goes on the sing and then um, uh, he goes on the show. And, you know, what happened, the reason why they brought him in is to ridicule him a little bit of a stand because they show a little bit of the stand up bit. Arthur does where he's reading from his nose. He was nervous and stuff. He starts laughing during a bit he was working on, and and it shows how he was not remorse. Remorse, and he talks about, "Hey, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who did this incident, and you know, I don't feel any sympathy for them or what I did and stuff. I don't feel any remorse for what I did." And then, of course, he ends up getting his revenge on Murray. Mm. And this does this whole chain reaction. You see people riding in the streets wearing like clown masks. So it's like. He started a movement, basically. Yeah. And, of course, Thomas Wayne wanted to run for mayor of Gotham. 
because it was a political race too. So you had that kind of thing going on right now. Yeah, they made him feel like he was part of the elite. So it was very much reflective of how our society kind of is now. Hence why people were becoming more and more weary of something that could draw into something that could happen in the real world, which would be here in this realm. But I'm not surprised um, the way the way they built uh, how they how Todd Phillips kind of went with creating this character of taking a bunch of shit, a bunch of shit throughout the whole film, and then you're wandering through his psyche as he takes as he takes in all this crap that's happening around him and how nothing nobody wants to help him. He's getting down on his luck on his jobs because um, of shit that, like, st- what preventable, sure, but it just happens to him by happenstance. And then he gets, he's trying to take in the information that his mom was lying to him this whole time, that she was nuts, and, and he got it from him. So his whole life was just, like, it was just fucked. It was like, a def- like yeah, it was like a punchline to him. It's just a punchline. So he felt that the only relief he could have would be laughing. He developed this nervous laugh that became a defense mechanism that became his whole fucking life. And then you see throughout the whole film that it just becomes a, a, a downward spiral of somebody who's like, fuck, man. So it's very much, it, I think that's what builds a connection to the audience. It's like, I think we've all been there. And you see that, like, man, all this stuff is piling on for some fucking reason. Except... I think, and you always see that meme going around, as kids we all want to be like Batman, but as adults we all understand where the Joker is coming from, or something along the lines of that, and I think and it's we true, do give, And we do go see a nod of, you know, the Batman origin, because you see Bruce and his parents, they're coming from the movie theater. Yeah, I was like watching one. an episode of Gotham. And then you see, you know, the guy goes and kills Bruce's parents, and less so they kind of tie to the whole... No, I don't like. But to me, I kind of, you know, what I typically have this film is like, I enjoyed it actually because it's like, we've seen so many like superhero origins, but to see an origin of a villain. And I like the show Gotham itself too. I enjoy that show as well because what I like about that show Gotham, I have to go back and watch because I lost track of it. It kind of shows where, you know, these featured Batman villains got their start from. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of like for that show, kind of developed the characters. By season and eventually led to their personas, actually, and also was the evolution of Bruce Wayne itself. Because we won't see much of Bruce Wayne as a kid in the film. You always see the incident happen, and then he's already like a young adult, like almost like a young adult, and then he goes somewhere else. Like Nolan films, you know, it shows a little bit when he was a kid, but it didn't show what happened going on afterwards. What got him the inspiration? And of course, when he comes to teenage years, like going to the League of Shadows and all that stuff, it's like, yeah. But I like about the show Gotham was it not only developed Bruce, but also developed everyone around him, like Commissioner, like James Gordon, uh, Bullock, the Riddler, Penguin, how they got their starts. And like with this film, Joker itself, I mean, I liked it for the fact that it's like, it was one of those many origins. The old Top Fills took an origin from. From you know, from other comics, you know, he took a little bit from like you know the Killing Joke, where Joker was a, was a, like struggling stand-up comedian. So they took that kind of a thing from him, and like I said, the work with what they can with the budget they had. So I can tell they probably didn't have a big budget. Yeah, probably not. But Hawking Phoenix committed to the role and to lose weight for the role, man, it was like oh my god, he was like skinny as hell. It's like dang, but he did a really good job, and then doing that laugh. It was like, when I hear that laugh, it reminds me of Cesar Romero. reminds me of, you know, Heath Ledger a little bit in there. But with the high-pitched laugh, it reminds me of the Cesar, Cesar Romero from the old Batman series. From the, the old uh, Indiana West show. And, of course, a little bit from Mark Hamill's Joker. Mm. But it was kind of cool. Because, like I said, this is a different interpretation of the Joker. And I kind of like for the fact that it was like the evolution. You know, how he's got to start. 
So overall, I did enjoy the film. Um, I'll say the downside to it. <laughs> I'm, okay, we'll go. For, let's go for the pros and cons. Like the pro for it was, was the fact is it, the pro of it was the whole exploration of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Was the exploration and you know how he coped with it. And the other pro was the whole how society is looked down by the Don Trotton. How he helped inspire a movement, like, you know, people taking up a stand, you know, people are there are struggling to make ends meet against the elite. And then the third pro from it was basically his build up to becoming the Joker. Was this, the, the whole build up process. Like that was the whole build that was my pro for like the whole build up okay. process. But to me, um the con that I take away from it was um I would say the only kind I had for was the pacing. Yeah. Obviously, that was like, the, to me, that was the only kind because it kind of like went a little bit too fast. Give it, give it too much time to develop more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw a little bit of Penny's past, but not much to explore upon because you, know, you didn't see the, you see like Arthur mentioned, makes a lot of references to him as a kid, but never seen what happened to him as a kid. Yeah, there's just one picture of him as a kid in a news article, but never seen too much of a flashback of memories. But it's like, no, I don't want to see, like, you know, I'm not saying, oh, I want to see Chavez, but at least to show something, you know? But, like, seeing, like, he, all these flashbacks of just reading, like, he was reading, like, his mom's, like, evaluations from the mental institution and a flashback when she was being interviewed, but it's like... It's just funny. He had to go to the, the damn hospital where he was. When he was detained and they had to go back to get files on his mom. And, and, and like the pacing to me it kept like going back and forth like kept there were some places where it speeded up a little bit so um obviously that would be my my thing and of course the soundtrack itself because it played that one song like I'm like how that song fit into the whole thing mm-hmm. I don't know why he could have picked he had like these old school songs which I kind of like the whole you know nostalgia type thing but they have a song that's random, such as that. I was like, am I at a basketball game or what? Or what's that? I'm at a sports event. They could have picked a different song to go along with that one point when he's dancing like on the stairs and stuff. They could have picked a different song instead of that. But I did, I did enjoy the dance he does on the stairs. Mm, yeah, that was weird. Uh, yeah. It's, well, wait, what's your pros on the film? Man? <laughs> um, the pros is that I think Joaquin did a good job mm-hmm. considering that we've over... We overemphasize whoever plays this damn character because Heath Ledger really killed it, knocked out of the park. But yeah, like Caesar Romero, no, we're forgetting Jack Nicholson did a great job. Mm-hmm. Caesar Romero did great for the '60s, even though he didn't want to shave his damn mustache. But he did great for the '60s. Um, Jack Nicholson was a good. Episode. Jack Nicholson was was good too yeah. with the Tim Burton. It was perfect for yeah, that. Yeah, Mark um, Hamill with the voice. Mark Hamill with the cartoon version is different. Like the, all the iterations we've gotten so far. Are all very different, unique. I don't count Jerry Little's because I don't blame him. I blame the writing. I blame the terrible writing on that damn and movie. And the look they gave him. I blame the whole reason to even green light that movie. Um, and the, the look, look they, they want to give him to 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 cater to these little what I like to call sound SoundCloud hip hop enthusiasts, which is fine. I you find some bangers on SoundCloud, but let's not forget that everybody who gets just because you get face tattoos and shit like that, and you put some gold. On your teeth don't make you good <laughs> at <laughs> rapping. It just doesn't. And so they thought that that would sell as a character who was from New York, 
who was trying to be this gaudy looking pimp guy. That's not the Joker. That's fucking. That's the opposite. Not a gangster. That's what they were trying to make yeah, him like a gangster. Yeah, a gangster. But not all gangsters roll that way. They just don't. So, not all of them do. And to make somebody as I want to say as pop culturally significant as a DC character into that and having and no knock on Jared Leto as an actor, but to have him do it was very strange. But that, I don't blame any of that on him or the, or the rest of the cast. They chalked in whatever they could with the terrible writing and the terrible movie that was Suicide Squad. And for them to make a second one is fucking hilarious. But we'll see how that goes. That's a reboot, but it'll hey, see how it's going to be a joke. I, I just don't understand why we're rebooting something that didn't go good in the first place. I just don't get it. It's like, oh, man. Like, you have to make something terrible before you get something decent, but even then, it's whatever. But as far as this film goes, it fucking, it worked. I think it was good for what it was. It, um, Our friend I, Ivan said it was amazing. It was amazing, and, and I give him that. I, yeah. I'll give him. I think it was, they, it did good as not only being, like, if you want to go into this blind and not knowing anything, born from a rock, you would never know this was a comic book movie. It just felt very realistic and real from the standpoint Oh, yeah, of the violence was, like, so, like... The violence is fucking crazy. I think it was good. Um... Uh, I think as I go on the cringe subreddit and it's literally somebody putting Jared Leto as the Joker in the cringe thing, terrible acting, Suicide Squad. Damn, this movie came out three years ago. What a terrible movie. <laughs> um, the acting might be bad, but the writing is worse and both combined is utter trash. Yep. I knew the movie was shit when it came out, but seeing the clip now is like a Batman or Robin, Haley Berry's Catwoman, level, Catwoman levels of awful. But, um... Nonetheless, I think it just goes to show you where the character and a vision of a director, uh, a writing and production staff that are talented and giving it their all and uh, acting and a a good cast of characters and crew that go into this thing thinking, you know, I'm going to give it my all and this is what it is. I think they they got behind somebody who was perfect for the job and did what they could. Why can't Todd Phillips is the guy who fucking made the Hangover? Just on set, I mentioned it earlier. I just can't remember. He that made shit. the Hangover films. He Fuck. did. Road, he did Road Trip as well. Yeah. Right. So like, as far as as far as that goes, I think they did a great job. Um, it was an awesome movie to see. It took me for a ride. I was very much in, engaged with it, but like I'm biased. I like the Joker a lot, but. I think as far as revisiting goes, I think I would revisit this much this one as much as I would revisit maybe The Dark Knight. Um, I, I, I'm I am excited to see when this comes into uh, what call it streaming streaming or accessible to regular public people that's not in the theater. Um, but it's like I think it's gonna be great. So nonetheless. I think as as far as pros go, it, it did very well. I think the acting was good. Um, cast of characters were decent. Uh, writing was there. Um, I think as far as it being a very standalone for or like seeing the Joker through his lens and see what he had to go through and providing more perspective on why he goes and turns into this maniacal thing. I think this job, this movie, did a perfect job of making sense of that. And I think regardless, we were going to get something that was going to be good no matter what. I just was really glad that it became something that was better than what I expected. And for it to come out in, in October was even more of a, a, a plus. So I I can't help but to not like this movie. Um, I think they're going to do a job. I think the, the wait was worth it for what it could be. I think... Um, 
having that dynamic between him and his mother being there, like showing the struggles that not only he has in his own developmental life, but what he has to deal with every day being in such like crazy low means and what it means to be in America that it would be like something worth noticing. But I think it's it's in a very good movie. Like it just it was good. It was fucking solid. And those are just the pros, right? What's your con in this film? Um, I think as far as a con goes, I think that it could have done a better job of not hamming in so much that last. I mean, it was the ending was all over the place for me. Um, do we say spoilers? I don't remember. Yeah, I, I said the a movie's few not been long, uh, long enough, right? Fuck. Yeah, it's a spoiler. spoilers. Yeah, it. go ahead, dude. I, I, um, I think it's gonna have a spoiler. I think it's weird that the ending, like once a big climactic ending, when he go, gets to be put on on the show, and albeit it wasn't realistic portrayal of how Stanek could just be like that from back in the day, but. The ending goes by so fast and fast that, like, fuck, it's everywhere. And then the whole ending with the riot and then you see the parents coming out. They don't really... They don't really, like... How do I put this? I think he doesn't have... The the thing is with the film is that it didn't provide a good balance onto whether his reality was portraying, being portrayed on the screen as opposed to him, whatever he was dealing with in his head that was causing illusions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, we never... And maybe that's just part of the writing, but towards the end, you don't necessarily know if the, all that shit really happened. Because all we see him is him practicing his whole, like, how he would enter... How he would enter the Franklin Murray show, whatever. Oh, yeah, I like that one scene. And he was copying that, that stand-up guy who was at the club that he was we going to. We can tell to. the show was in the 80s because if you notice, he had a VCR. Yeah, it was the 80s, though. It had to be the 80s. VCRs so, like, were expensive back then, but... It's so, what I don't like is that, like, all right, so you don't know whether that's if, if that's the case. But, of course, at the end, he's at the institution, and he's talking to the interviewer. Like, yeah, like, in the, and like it's it funny, happened, too, because you see happened. at the end, he's running down the hall, you see bloody footprints, so I'm thinking he either did something to that lady. Oh, yeah, he fucked her up. He fucked her up, yeah. But it's like, and then at the end, that's it, you know, it's like... Like, it didn't... You're right. You just never know... It was like the pacing. Like I said, it was like... The issue was like the pacing, but... You never know where exactly it's going. Uh, I think the, the way they contrived the ending was was good for what it's worth. Because then I don't, like... You see it coming up to the point that I was like, Oh, man, he's on the show. Fuck, that's crazy. I don't... But it's like, wait, what? How did and he get then, on the and show? He says that, and then he says that he's the one who killed the three Wall Street guys and... Yeah, he admits on online like it's nothing that like on the show itself. Yeah, and you're going to tell me they didn't take that shit lightly. What what show what show would you ever be on where they wouldn't have security right on deck and they're going to be willing to pull your ass out of there? Like you com- you were saying that like yeah, I fucking did I did the murder. Like I'm going to I'm going to be on here like you guys don't know. And it's like ah fuck. Like wait, did he just confess to a murder on national on a nationally syndicated show? What alone late night where like Back in the day, late night was fucking everything. Like, people are still... Well, the people who still contribute to that, like, the ratings and stuff, they still very much go on late night shows as, as like, 
We, I mean, we don't have a Letterman or Leno anymore, but those were still fucking shows that you would catch all the time. Um, so, like, you never, you don't really get whether or not he, you're in his brain and him being delusional and showing these things because it goes straight from him mocking, like, as if he went on the show and he practices his little bit, the same bit he does when they show on the end, how it work, or the climactic, I want to say, sequence into the act, act three of the movie, but, like, you don't really see that because you don't know. Because all it leaves off of that, and then they show him getting ready for the show. Like, he's dying his hair green, right? Isn't that, like, a little no, bit No, he after? just dyed his hair green, yeah. He dyed his hair... No, oh, he that should happened after, that. No, he started preparing it before he went on the show. Right. Because he got the phone call saying... And then it went to the show. No. He, the, he got the phone call, and then he started preparing for the right. show. And then he started watching tape. He recorded a few episodes and started practicing how he was going to make his entrance. But at the same time, he was. I think he was planning for the fact that he was going to kill him because... He made because he the previous show, he showed this like for some reason after his uh, stand up act as uh, at the open mic, someone got a copy of the of his thing and he made fun of him. Mm. And that's when he joke like you know Arthur decides to call Murray out like hey you gonna play my clip again and all that stuff and he ends up you know getting his revenge and ends up shooting him. That he got his revenge on Murray. Yeah. Okay. So it does happen after. Okay. So like. He was already kind of going into his downward spiral. Of- but, of course, then you had the riots going outside, too. Because, like I said, that was also another thing that this film brought out that I kind of enjoyed, too, was the social commentary and the whole, you know, it takes one instant to start up a movement. But that's the thing. It's like you never really know whether he's actually, whether he's actually, like, you even hit, witness him, like... I can't say assume, he's a villain. Right. You just I, I, was, assume, I can't assume he's a villain. Like, this one kind of made me think back, like... Was Joker actually a villain, or it was just a guy that was just trying to? Yeah, he needed help, you know, because of his mental condition. But at the same time, he was just trying to do something he wanted to bring joy and stuff. But it's like, you know, it's like, and of course, you know, he that one thing that kind of threw him around. He was on his meds because what happened was oh, the the office got shut the, down. The yeah. city shut down the office, the health services. So he he wasn't able to get his prescription. But at the same time. It kind of sucked because no one would try to reach out to help him out. You know? Which, guys, if you're not, like, if you haven't been to, ever been to therapy session or, like, dealt with psychiatrists in that level, you, I mean, based on my own experience, I'm not going to speak on any other professionals in the, uh, I want to say, health and medical field when it comes to psychology and stuff. But, fuck, man, you get a lot of people who are just not satisfied anymore with what they're doing with themselves or... Dealing with some certain health protocols or health things that are just like you get a lot of people who have just become stagnant in their jobs and don't really provide well enough services that you are looking to pay for or looking to help with that are helping you cope with whatever you're dealing with every day. And so for them to show that in that light, it didn't. I that one stuck out to me a lot because like fuck at that point like my my stomach sunk a little low because I'm like fuck man I've been there. Like, you get half-assed psychiatrists or half-assed staff trying to help you that don't really... That shouldn't... That maybe have been burnt out from whatever they've been doing in the in the, in the industry. But, like, seeing him constantly get into obstacles it makes you get mad just like he would. Like, you, you would have to get upset. So, I see that as... Uh, is what the, that like I think was what helped the pacing on because then it makes you think oh well fuck did any of that even happen because then you see when he's running away from those two cops 
and all that shit and he gets on the train and all that shit goes down it's like who knows if that even happened so it's like the whole riot and then how they what they the fan service parts mainly come whenever they try to introduce that little lingering of batman and shit just like what gotham did how they made it too hammy and it's still going no, the show ended this last year. year. Oh, okay, good. Ended this year. But like, but that's that's what it. I didn't like about Gotham. It was, become, it was becoming way too ham-fisted when it came to fan service. Just like what Star Wars is doing. It's like the same thing. It's like, you guys are making it way too fucking obvious. Like, we know this already. Keep it going. So with this, it's like they gave you a different perspective on like, oh shit, the Waynes again. Look at them. The elites getting killed and they show them again. But then they show the Joker and it's like, oh fuck. All right. So it's still keeping that mystery. Of whether he was... If any of that shit even happened. And if it did, fuck. The, we're not going to see a part two. Because it's never going to happen. But like... The way... I think the pacing was a pro and a con for them. Because they could have... Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the fan service. And building up something around with Batman being there. And it, it kind of just like... Aw, oh, man. It's like taking the thunder away. Mm-hmm. From what the movie was already. Like an origin. Yeah, like like that's a good point because it's like yeah, but it's like yeah if you didn't have the whole Batman like the little bit thing yeah it, it was not gonna you know not gonna fall in that mix. But overall, the film is enjo- I did enjoy the film itself because to me it's like yeah, that's what's like it's something you know they announced a film back and they announced like a few a years ago hey we're gonna ago, do a yeah. film based on the Joker. It's like. That's interesting because, you know... It's like the Venom thing. Who would have fucking thought? It was thought? like Venom. Yeah, it's the same thing. But <laughs> what Top feels like co-writing this film and working with the, like, you know, the actors such as Calvary, uh, Joaquin Phoenix to bring him in and the cast. The cast trying real hard to work around him and stuff. And, of course, I'm bringing all the stuff, the trivia stuff, saying on set, you know... I guess uh, on tomatoes. Um, Joaquin Phoenix was, like, so into the role. Like, in some cases, then I'll say he'll walk away when they were doing a take and he'll come back. It's like... Um, it's the first thing that pops up and then um, like I said he did a lot coming into that role that's so what it was it was like that coming into that character and to bring that out it was like like I said it was like to bring the show why he became who he eventually is going to become yeah I'm sure he wasn't leaving used condoms in their people in their trailers too like fucking Leto was doing um, so I went around tomatoes because Everybody, like, we don't hold them into the highest regard of oh, shit, no, but it just know. happens to be, like, the fucking most... It's like the Yelp of fucking entertainment reviews, and in the, in the, how I see it. Because at the end of the day, it's like, I don't hold too much emphasis on watching movies. It just It's just like how that fucking Coppola put it. He's like, you know, some people might like it, some people won't. But at the same time, it's like, eh, whatever. So the top fucking review on this is by Tessa Smith. Mm-hmm. Joker reviews top critics. Joker has a very important message of, about mental illness, and everyone should watch it. Maybe it will make people think twice about how they treat others. I like that original. Oh, that's what I meant. That, yeah, it makes you think. That's what I like yeah. the film. It kind of makes you think. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, and then you get somebody like Diana Sanger from ReviewExpress.com, which she just looks like your run-of-the-mill middle-aged woman who just isn't really fond of violent films and she puts it as like a squash. Who should see it? Only those with strong stomachs for bloody violence. Original score enough. First of all, there's not a lot of fucking violence. Yes, there's some overwhelming fair odds of like you get your typical beat-ups from three like outnumbered individuals. Mm-hmm. Then you get the false treatment of people on the subway, which happens everywhere, unfortunately, guys. If you haven't taken public transportation 
I one, I understand that you may be fortunate than others, and and two, it's public transportation. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a jungle, just like anything else. But there's not a lot of violence in this movie, and when it happens, it's fairly fast. Yeah, it's like fast paced. It wasn't like drawn out okay yeah he's like the punting he's pummeling the guy against the wall in his apartment he's actually fucking wild then, but like then you see the blood splattering it's like yeah you don't actually see the graphic of it that's probably the most graphic part of it besides him when he's like on the subway and think about it they, the were, made, they made this r-rated because they were trying to make it like to the point of deadpool i mean deadpool was like one of the r-rated um superhero films it's like to yeah. make it like that because of course it was dc it was r-rated it was just trying to push as much as it can out of the envelope i like this tessa smith so what she says. Let me see if I could put, like, I would say, overall, well, I mean, if you want to give it, like, a point system, like, out of stars, what would you give the film? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Before I, I'm going to read a review. Let me see if I can find a review for my MDB. There's a nice little block she's got going. Uh, why everyone needs to see the Joker, right? Mamasgeeky.com. That must be your block site. This is pretty dope. <laughs> um, yada, yada, and shout out to, who is this? Oh, look at this. Tessa Smith? Tessa, Tessa Smith? This is a user from INDB. Look at this review. I was a person that saw the hype and claims of Masterpiece as overreacting, overblown excitement for another Joker-based film. I thought this looked solid at best and even a bit too pretentious in the trailer, but in here, to say I was incredibly wrong. This is a massive achievement of cinema that's extremely rare in a day age of CGI nonsense and reboots. While yeah. this is a somewhat of a reboot of source, the standalone origin tale is impeccable from start to finish and echoes resemblance to the best Joker origin comics from the past. Yeah. Joaquin bleeds, sweats, and cries as every drop in this magnificently dedicated performance. Heath Ledger will be proud. Quote, unquote, they were best friends. They yeah. were good friends back in the day when Heath Ledger was alive. This is undoubtedly the greatest acting performance since Heath's Joker. The directing and writing is sickly brilliant, and the bleak settings and tones are palpable throughout. When this film was over, the place was blown away, and every audience member was awestruck when he witnessed a film that could still transport him into a character's world of existence. Believe the hype, this is going to be revered as a transcending masterpiece of cinema. This is from a user at IMDb. I'm like, okay, he gave it a 10 out of 10. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of 10 to 10 reviews there. There's like a lot. Let me see if I'm trying to find one that's criticizing it but so far. Let's see if I can find something. <laughs> one says critics are useless. <laughs> I'm sure to find, there's not that many bad reviews. It's like only 9 out of 10s, but I don't see any... Look, what, what I like about what she says here, um, Tessa Smith, which was the top one in her, yeah, whatever, for Ron Fanos, it says, she brings up, like, a, a little paragraph where it says, will this version of the DC Universe continue on? It's already been confirmed that this is a version of the Joker that's not part of the current DC Universe, uh, ha- uh, slash, their universe is not a universe at all right now, because it's just terrible, and they can't put it together, but here we are. However, we do see Bruce Wayne... And we see him get a full sh- on shove into becoming Batman, yep. We also see Arthur rally a lot of other clowns and people behind him, with, which is the which first of all, he doesn't necessarily do that. All he does is dress up in a costume and he becomes famous because of a dressed up clown that ended up murdering three Wall Street guys. Well, he was subway. on a job when he got fired from the job or beat up or something. Right, but. Because remember, he came from the hospital. He threw the train right, from the hospital. Right, but he where it said, where she puts it, like he unified. Oh, he got a lot of other clowns to rally behind him. Not necessarily, they just no. saw that the, that Somebody a clown that was dre- a guy that was dressed up as a clown killed these three guys on the subway because they were fucking with him. 
And they happen to be Wall Street kids who worked for the Wayne Corporation. This is why they would get the rally the 1% versus the 99, yada, yada, yada. Okay, cool. So I, I understand where she's coming from, just not necessarily what happened, but whatever. Those are just semantics. And then she goes, um, it's in, which is the start of making of a fantastic villain. The Joker's origin story for this one, society let him down. You can't get much darker than that. And no. I would love to see this film spark a new DC universe. And I think it would be important for everyone to watch them if they don't continue down, if they continue down the same path. Overall thoughts, she's like, I love the movie. My husband, not so much. He enjoyed it, but said it was a bit slow. One thing we did agree on, though, is that it has a very important message with about people with mental illness. And it will make people think twice about the tree others. And I know it has to make you think. So even if it's not your type of movie, do me a favor and watch it. I don't think you'll regret it. Wow, that post is pretty dope. But yeah, it's, I think. Oh, sorry. I, I think, I think that that's what the movie was great on. Is that like, not only that it, ca- it had like a, a comic message for what it's worth. Even though it doesn't feel like a, a comic movie. It definitely gives you the fact that which people were afraid of is, oh, it's going to start an uprising of, like, well, there are people are going to come and shoot up the spot. Like, fuck, people will come and shoot up the spot for, like, a My Little Pony thing. So, like, people will find reasons to do something that's violent. It's just, it's part of, unfortunately, it's part of human nature. Mm-hmm. But that's just how it is, man. Like, I think... I think it's important because it shows that and it shows how, like, society lets you down, man. It's not always... It's always an internal struggle, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it really truly is your access to resources, your ability to keep it every day, man. It's just not easy. No. It's not easy every day. It really is not. And if you if you think it is, all power to you. I, I think it's you are doing something in life that's completely different than what I think so. But I've met people with money. I've met people without money. And I think there's a big difference you'll see. And I think tri- treatment of people is totally different. I think I'd rather go that route in treating people with respect. Um, and I think it really, that movie, The Joker definitely gives you that hindsight look mm. because it just shows you that we're not dealing with a different reality. This is basically the same. And I think that's what scared people. Not because of like the influence of getting people to come and shoot up a spot because they'll do it regardless. But the fact that like, when art becomes reality, that's when it becomes so transcendent and you and it starts fucking with your brain. But art is just a reflection of reality. Mm-hmm. So I don't... This whole, like, new switch of being... It's like getting... Uh, when Men in Black, they do that little pen thing. Oh, the memory neutralizer. Yeah, it's like that. It's like people forget. Like, are you joking? Like, you don't think that... Like, other films that back in the day didn't do that shit, too. It always did that shit. But it's... The movie does a great job at showing that, that, like, it's, he was just a regular person dealing with shit, and he got nothing but shit thrown on him, and that's what started, to the mm-hmm. point that where, like, the, that's what's the best thing about the Joker is that he's had such a shitty time, or shitty existence, that they're always, why are you doing this, and he's, he never gives you an answer, because no, he that's doesn't. not what it is, he's like, it's, it's for the thrill of the joke, it's the punchline, so they call it the killing joke because it's there's no there the reason is up to you. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's why people loved Heath Ledger's thing so much. It's like Heath Ledger was in all these weird movies in the before and he does this and everyone's like fuck. He could have done anything else and he did a role about an anti somebody so relatable that you kind of understand when you become an adult and you understand why you like so fucked and like well fuck this this thing is so messed up. 
And then that's why. And then you're like, oh, wait, Batman's not the villain. Or Batman is the villain of this shit. But that's what you have to like with properties when you start... Um, you start questioning whether you... You question your own values and your own virtues. Isn't that what it's supposed to do in the first place? Yeah. And now we're over here trying to shut that shit down. It's like, that's not... Like, what, then what are you doing? Like, what are you doing as far as trying to maintain a conversation when it comes to... Because that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't see Captain America fucking punching a random guy. We saw him punching Hitler on those comic covers in the 40s. Like, they used that as a way to get people behind the wartime shit. The propaganda, yeah. Which they do the same thing now! They do the same thing with these commercials, man. Like, it's such a joke. That's why, like, I'm very surprised that it doesn't, like... That people get so... Whoa, we shouldn't have, like... Nobody has a problem with pills being being uh, fucking advertised. But everywhere in the world they do. But they don't mind it here. They think it's cool here. But then the minute we start advertising, like, oh, movies, they're like, oh, fuck, no. We can't have the Joker. Nobody ever says anything about Transformers, and you could literally just run your truck off the highway into another <laughs> thing. It's the same shit. Fast and the Furious, people driving at ridiculous speeds, get a bunch of roided-out guys jumping off things. It doesn't influence you shit either. Jackass. You know Jackass? Oh, God. You know how much times I fucking want, did stupid shit after watching that movie? I was doing stupid shit before then. But after watching that, it may, it may be like, oh, well, if I have a camera, then it makes it okay because now I can be famous like Johnny Knoxville. Like, no. These guys got like, hurt. Like, it's still, yeah, these guys got hurt. Yeah, they got their money. But the cost of what, man? What is Johnny Knoxville doing now? Like, I don't, I mean, the entertainment industry is so fucked anyways. But it's like, what are they doing now? He's probably got a lot of money from the mediocre moves he's done. But what has he done? Like, any of the jackass guys, what have they done? They lost their friend. Bam's like trying to pick the pieces back up together and he's doing a great job as a family guy now Knoxville I think is married and all that shit Steve-O's probably the most successful of all of them he's got a he good, went to rehab and he, he went to rehab cleaned himself up and he's got a great stand-up career going and he's on podcasts everywhere I think he's on a podcast I think he has yeah, his I own I think he does his own Yeah, but like so it's you just what everyone loves is an underdog story and I think that's what Joker does the best is that you want to be so strong, like you could be comfortable selling your life, and, and like you want to, you want to be like, well, that's not right. They're riding in the street, but then there's that little inkling of you, like, fuck yeah, like yeah, let's watch it, let's watch it, see what happens. And I think Todd Phillips captured that spirit and ran with it because I think it was very similar to what The Hangover was. Very relatable movies and relatable stories. The story is more relatable, and he provides you the movie, and you interpret it the way you do. But it's that story is so relatable. That he captured the essence very eloquently providing and he had fucking Joaquin Phoenix to do it. And and just like any movie, when you see the actor really put in his chops and really shows it, you just appreciate it Taste more. The commitment, yeah. It's like watching Michael Jordan play basketball again. You just really fucking see it. Cause it's just like it this isn't it's like you're not watching just fucking the game. You're watching this guy putting his chops out there. Cause that's what he does. You're an actor, that's what you do. Put commitment in. You're, you're an iron worker, that's what you do. You're anything. You're a garbage guy, you're a janitor, you're anything, that's what you fucking do. Like, that's the whole point of this, is that we're all doing whatever we can to get by within this existence that we don't know of. So, to give it, like, a score, what would you give the Joker? If you want, if you want to give it, like, a... I'd give it an 8. There's, like... 8 an eight. out of 1. There's a, like a, a high score here. Like, an 8 out of 10... 
like an eight point eight out of ten. I would give it a nine and a nine out of ten if there was a couple things I didn't I didn't really like, but it wasn't like really too. It was more nitpicky than anything than it is for the main sake of of why it would make it bad. But mainly just mainly just like uh, being in the middle of pacing and then um, and then the fan service ham fisting towards the end I was I get it I get it but I think Spider-Man was a good example of that you kind of know here we'll give you a quick wrap up Marvel can get away with that shit but this being a standalone thing he couldn't do it because it's an origin and I see that and I think Mm -hmm. I think they could they they did very good with that Um, wasn't terrible it's just little things that are easily fixable but you don't necessarily have to fix because it just it is what it is I would say just for me, I would have to give it a 9 out of 10. Because I like the whole pro was... The story was cool. The story was well written. Yeah. I like the writing. I like the whole... Like I said, it wasn't just like... The, it was not on the character itself, but like the people that he was surrounded by. Like the environment that he was surrounded himself by. And the whole, you know, evolution. What's your name? Zaz Beats? And the evolution of like the development of that character. Um, yeah. the, the music was alright, but except for that one... Kind of with that one song, which to me didn't, to me honestly didn't fit. What song? Hey, oh, the Gary Glitter song. Yeah, yeah, that to was me a that awkward. wasn't. It, I don't know why they picked it for that one scene. I can see why. I just felt it didn't fit right with the whole. <laughs> was cons- dancing on the string, and then the cop chasing, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, just to me, that was one of the cons of it, and just the pacing of it of the film is up. But yeah, nine out of ten. But overall, I did enjoy the actor. I enjoyed the character, you know, and Walking Phoenix did a phenomenal job as the Joker. Like I said, this is another interpretation of the character. The writing was really well done. So to see how Todd Phillips wanted to show, like, a social commentary on, you know, people being judged because they're different, being looked at because they're different, and at the same time, you know, the downtrodden versus the elite, pretty much the haves and the have-nots. Like you said, the 1%, the 9%, 99%. You know, it was kind of like that. It was also, too, like, it opened up people's eyes above mental, mental illness. And it gave you a little bit inside of this character who you read from the comics. Oh, he's a bad guy. You know, he's already, he's all Mackie labeled as a bad guy. But it doesn't show you why he became who he's eventually going to become. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, 9 out of 10. So, definitely, guys, definitely check out Joker. It's currently playing in theaters. Definitely recommend you guys go see that film. It, Like I said... Be a judge yourselves. Judge that film yourselves. But like I said, I enjoyed it. Of course, Biko enjoyed it. So definitely check out Joker that's playing right now in theaters. Overall, I'll say that would be it for Talking Pop with the Franchise and Biko. Don't forget to check out our backlog of episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts. Basically, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Don't forget to check out our store. But you think again, our sponsor, Anchor, for sponsoring our podcast. Um, like I said, Halloween is coming up, so we gotta go stock up on some candy. Who knows, we'll get trick-or-treaters, we didn't decorate our place, so we'll see how we go from there, and we'll see what our next topic's gonna be. So if you guys have any suggestions or anything that you want us to talk about, feel free to go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash franchise network. You can post questions on there, or anything you see that's like, you want us to discuss, well, more than welcome to discuss it on the next episode. Um, other than that, I'm the franchise. And I'm Miko. As always, geek on and take care. 
Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. Just letting you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs, and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers, so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care.